Here's the deal. For this morning, instead of me coming up, uh, we're going, going through the book of Ruth. Um, I actually asked Dr. Cruz. He's a Bible teacher at Western Christian High School. He also uh, shepherds his own, his own community. And I've known him for a lot of years. In fact, all the years that I get to go and speak in chapel at Western, I'm always looking for Dr. Cruz. Uh, he's kind of the staple. And I cannot imagine what God will show him one day when he walks before him in his presence and says, hey, you see this whole crowd of people? They're here because you said yes to teach them about me. I mean, how many high school students have gone through Western Christian for how many, how many years you've been teaching that have been impacted because you stayed true to the scriptures? He has such a heart for Jesus, a heart for his word. And I thought, man, who could I have come in just because I knew I wouldn't be able to focus in on prepping for the message. But to bless you, to bless us, to bless our community, um, who loves Western, who loves us, you, and Jesus' church, but is really committed to Jesus and his word. And I thought, man, Dr. Cruz, if you would come in. And so I just want to honor you in front of our community. Thank you for coming in. But friends, would you welcome up with our Ignite Say welcome, Dr. Cruz. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is you're talking about. Man, I love you. Love you God you. bless you. You too. God bless you. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Can we say praise the Lord? Praise Our God is a mighty God. I'm going to put my little stick over here. Uh, if I fall down, you know, take two or three people, pick me up. You know. But listen, I, I do want to say what a joy and a privilege it is to be here this morning. Um, I just pray that we can have a great time in the Lord together. But I do want to say this first. I want to give glory to God first and foremost. Uh, he is my Lord and my Savior. He is my strength and my help. And I, I heard someone, I think it was uh, Ms. Schmidt, uh, she has been a great help to me as I made preparations to come here. But I think I heard her say uh, that she, I don't understand how people survive without God. How do people get through the tough times without a God to turn, I mean a real God, not a God made of wood and stone, but a living God. And so we, we have to continue to pray for those persons who don't know Christ like we do. Uh, secondly, I want to say thank you to, 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 to Pastor Brian for the invitation. And, and, and I, because as a pastor, I understand how difficult it is to give someone your pulpit. Because people will stand and they will say cuckoo stuff. You know, and then it takes you six months as a pastor to try to correct that. They come in for 45 minutes, and it takes you six months to fix the stupid stuff they said. And so I understand how important it is to have people who are going to preach the gospel and how important it is. And so I bless God for you. And, and, and Ignite City, let me tell you, you have an amazing man of God. Not because he asked me to come preaching, because he paid me really nice to say that about him. <laughs> but, but seriously, I, I've, I've seen him minister to the young people at Western, and I was telling Ms. Schmidt that I, I'm not a person who, who glorifies people. I'm not an autograph seeker type of person. You know, people do great things. I bless God because it's the gift of God. But I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the gift that he is, the strength and the power of the word of God that is in it. Amen. Amen. And, and, I'm, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, I'm always encouraged when he comes to Western to speak, 
And, and I'm going to give you a little secret. I don't always go to all of the, the chapels because sometimes I don't like what's being said. But when I hear that Pastor Holland is coming, I'm the first one in the chapel because I know that he's going to bring the word of God. And so, again, thank you so much for the invitation. But you came here to hear the word of God. You didn't hear me come to talk about him. He's a nice guy, but the word of God is much better. So if we can, let's pray and then let's get right into the word of God. Dear God, our Father, it is with humbled hearts that we come before your holy presence. We bow our heads and we bend our knee and, and we lay prostrate before you because you are the, the one true and living God. There is no other God besides you. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth, the fullness thereof and all who dwell herein. So as we bow, Lord, we're in awe of your majesty. We're in awe of your grace and your mercy. And we give thanks to you in advance for all that you've done for us and all that you continue to do. Bless your word today. Holy Spirit, we just bless you today and we ask you to just speak through this vessel of clay that we might hear the truth of your word, that we might, we might apply it to our lives and that we might be useful tools for you, Lord, building the kingdom of heaven. We thank you so much for, for the privilege of, 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 of just fellowshipping with you. And now we ask you to teach us. Show us your way, Lord God, that we might show it to others. We give you praise and glory now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say thank you to the worship band and worship singers for just laying the foundation uh, for what God is going to do today. An amazing, amazing job. So let's give them a hand. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I know you do because Pastor Holland, when he comes, he's always got his Bible. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. The Gospel of John, chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about fruitfulness, which is the offspring of faithfulness. I want to talk to you about fruitfulness that is the offspring of faithfulness. All right? And as, as, we, as I lay this foundation for you, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that that, that God will bless us and that God will provide for us. But I want to make it very clear to you today, I am not a prosperity preacher. I believe in prosperity. I believe that as we, we sow, so shall we reap. If we give, then, then men will give into our bosom, as the Scripture tells us. But I am not one of those preachers who believes that, oh, if you love God, then God's going to give you everything. Now, I do believe in naming and claiming. I know you're probably shocked. Listen, give me a moment. I believe you get a job, you pay for it, and then you claim it, all right? That's my, that's my philosophy of naming and claiming. Get a job, pay for it, and then claim it. But in the Word of God, I do believe that God prospers us. But I also believe that there is a process that happens for us to be prosperous in the things of God or to be prosperous even in our natural lives. But I did want to put that disclaimer out there. I'm talking about being prosperous or being fruitful, but not in the sense of a prosperity message. Amen? 
All right, so let's look here at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And I'm reading from the um, English Standard Version. So if you have a different version, obviously it's going to read differently. But these words are recorded. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you, have, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, um, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me my, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And I'm going to stop there. Very familiar uh, verses, verses of Scripture. We know this. But what I want to, want to talk to you about is that fruitfulness is the offspring of faithfulness. All right? And I'm reminded, uh, I'm reminded when I think about fruitfulness, the Bible says be fruitful and multiply. And certainly that means in procreation, but it also, it also applies to the lives that we live. We should be fruitful in everything that we do in our lives. But that fruitfulness that we have in our lives, we must understand that it is a result of being faithful to God. To be fruitful, to be truly be fruitful, we must be faithful to our God. And I think about the process of being fruitfulness. The children are a fruit of the womb, amen? The Bible tells us that. And I think as a woman is pregnant and she's going to give birth, there's a process that she must go through. She gets a checkup. Uh, she, she does prenatal care. She gets the sonograms. All of those things, she has to do those things to ensure or to, to, to try to ensure that she's going to produce what? Healthy fruit. She's going to produce healthy fruit. And, and so as we, as we talk about fruitfulness, I want you to really focus on the idea that that, that no matter what happens in your life, God is going to bless you based on your faithfulness to God. All right? It's critical that we understand that. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Please say that with me. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. All right? Very important. Faithfulness is the pathway to fruitfulness, if I could put it that way. Faithfulness will always produce fruitfulness. That is the beauty of our God. If we remain faithful to God, you can always count on God to produce fruit in your life. Is that all right? If you continue to trust God and believe in God and seek God and set your heart to serve God, God will make you fruitful. Now, fruitfulness is relative. All right? Some people's fruitfulness produces millions of dollars. Some people's fruitfulness just produces 
great children, great homes, good jobs. So it's all relative, but nevertheless, fruitfulness is a result or it is the offspring of faithfulness. You cannot have fruitfulness without faithfulness. That's so important to understand that. You cannot have fruitfulness without faithfulness. They work together. The, and the opposite, and, and you guys are intelligent people, the, ob, the opposite of fruitfulness or faithfulness is unfaithfulness. And the opposite of fruitfulness is what? Barrenness. Those are very obvious things. But it's so important that we understand that faithfulness refers to the character of the individual. Faithfulness refers to the character of the individual. And fruitfulness, all right, faithfulness is your character. Fruitfulness is the evidence of good character. Does that make sense to you? If you're faithful, then you will be what? Fruitful, all right? So faithfulness is your character. How much do you love God? How much do you give to God? Time, money, service. That is your faithfulness. And as a result of that faithfulness, you will receive or your evidence will be that you will be fruitful. Now again, fruitfulness is relative. God determines how fruitful you will be. All right, so you cannot look into another man's yard and determine, oh, I need to be that fruitful. Or look at another man's situation and say, oh, I, I need to be that fruitful. Because fruitfulness is designed for each individual. But it's so important that we do recognize and understand that you cannot truly be fruitful without faithfulness to God. I read somewhere, I don't know where I read this, I think it was in Sports Illustrated. It says that all good gifts come from what? The Father of Lights. All right? I think I read that in Sports Illustrated. They really do have some very deep. Uh, okay. Guys killing me here. But faithfulness, again, it, it refers to your character. How much do you serve God? And then fruitfulness, obviously, is the evidence of that good character. Faithfulness basically means to do the right thing at the right time. The thing that I love about the Word of God, and I'm sure you'll appreciate that, the Word of God is simple. That's what I love about God. You don't need to be a PhD. You don't need to have degrees to open up your Bible, read the Word of God, and get revelation. Sometimes pastors try to make you think that because we are pastors that we have this special connection with God and we get these revelations that are not for the common people. But the God we serve, if you will love him, if you will serve him, if you will bow before him, he will give you revelation. So faithfulness basically means to do the right thing at the right time. And we know that that's difficult because Paul tells us there's a war in our members. My spirit fights against my flesh and my flesh against my spirit. And the two are contrary, so I don't do you. you. Come on, guys. Have you ever been in a situation where you, I should have done this, but I wanted to do that. So I did that, but it wasn't what I should have done. But I wish I'd have done what I should have done because then I wouldn't have got in trouble for doing what I did do that I didn't want to do that I should have done. 
So the simple thing is simply do the right thing at the right time. But you know what it takes? It takes character to do that. When everything seems to be going against you, when everything seems to be telling you to go this way, but your heart tells you that is not godly, that is not Christ-like, then to do that, to operate like that, that's character. And so again, faithfulness means that you do the right thing at the right time. Faithfulness means bearing fruit, all right? It means being fertile and productive. That's in your home, in your marriage, on your job, in your ministries. We cannot have either faithfulness or fruitfulness without being in union with God. That's so important to understand. We cannot have either. We cannot be faithful unless we have a relationship with God. We cannot be fruitful unless we have a relationship with God. We must be in union with the God of all creation. Fruitfulness is directly linked to our friendship and relationship and union with Christ. I know it seems like I'm repeating this over and over again, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear these things over and over and over again. I coach basketball at, at the high school, coach girls basketball. I never thought I would. Um, I, I just thought girls could not take my personality. I'm one of those old school coaches. I yell and I jump up and down, even with a bad hip. I jump up and down and I point my finger. You know, the, the new coaching philosophy is that everybody has to get a trophy. Everybody's got to get a certificate. Even if you suck, you get a certificate. And everybody knows you didn't deserve the certificate because you suck. But then, because we're nice people, we said, oh, Johnny, you got, no, oh, what a nice certificate. You really sucked. How'd you get that? <laughs> but but sis, sincerely, truthfully, we must understand that we must be in union with Christ. And fruitfulness is directly linked to that union that we have with Christ. If, if you have your Bibles, turn to, to, to Luke chapter 3. And verse 8, Luke chapter 3, because fruitfulness, faithfulness or fruitfulness without being in union with God, neither one of those can truly exist in your life. Again, fruitfulness is directly linked to our relationship and union with Christ. So in Luke 6, 38, and I'm just going to summarize, it says, Be, bear fruit worthy of what? Repentance. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. We must have repentant hearts. In the Bible, David is my favorite character. David is my favorite character. But David was a horrible person. He was terrible. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. All right? I mean, how do you send a guy, give a guy a letter and send him to the battlefield, and the letter says, kill this guy. That's terrible. How do you take a man's wife? You know she's married. You know you're the king. You know you have power. You take her in here. And then when you find out she's pregnant, you try to hide it. Try to get the guy drunk. Try to have a party, hang out, send him home with his wife. 
David was a horrible person. He was a horrible father. But nevertheless, God said this about David. He is a man after my own heart. Why? Because David had a heart for repentance. Unlike Saul, who never took credit for anything or never took the blame for anything, David was a man, when he was called out on the carpet, he would say, yeah, that's me. I did it. And he was willing to deal with the circumstances. So character is critically important. So the Bible tells us in Luke 6, 38, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. He says, you need to bear fruit worthy of repentance. My brothers and sisters, if we don't have repentant hearts, we can't have relationship with God. If we're not willing to say to God, yes, I did this, and I'm so sorry. I, I, David says this. Against you, and you only have I sinned. Do we understand that every time we break the law of God, every time we sin, it's not that I sinned against my wife because I cheated or I sinned against the tax department because I fudged my numbers. Every time we break the law of God, we sin against God. And for me, that's crazy. If I lie, I sinned against God, not the person I lied against. If I cheat, I, it's not the person that I cheated, but I have cheated God. I have lied to God. So I need to be a person who understands that I need to be a person who can repent, who can say to God, I know that I'm broken. I know that I screwed up, but please forgive me. I'm going to do everything I can not to do that again, not to allow that to be a part of my life. If you turn quickly to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 17. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 17. And, 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 and Pastor Holland, give me a, a, a little grace. I like to be interactive. I like to be interactive. So I'm going to ask whoever gets to Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 first, please stand up and read it for us. I don't want to do all the reading. Let's make this interactive. Thank you. Yes, it's um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. Amen. So, likewise, every healthy tree does what? It bears good fruit. We need to be healthy. Being healthy means having a solid relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a cursory relationship. Not I go to church on Sunday and I do my oblations as a, as a prayer warrior. I do this because I'm trying to get God to be my friend. But to have a true, healthy relationship with Christ. That is a requirement. That is a part of the character of Christ. And that is what leads us to fruitfulness in our lives. Now, the scripture tells us that every tree that does not bear fruit, he casts out. And it also tells us that even the trees that do bear fruit, he prunes. And this is an important aspect of, of, of this verse, these verses of Scripture. Pruning is a necessary aspect of fruitfulness. Now, I, 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 I'm going to tell you a secret about me, and, and, and it's important. I don't know squat about horticulture. I... I I tried to plant stuff. I try, I, people give me plants as gifts, 
And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you, ha you hate this plant. Because <laughs> the plant is going to die. Not because I'm, 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 I'm not going to take care of it. I try to water it. I put it in the window. You know, I put it outside. I, you know, <laughs> I do everything but take it to bed with me, and it dies. So that's not my gifting, all right? But, but I understand that plants and trees need to be pruned. And in the pruning is a difficult process, especially for human beings. If you've ever seen trees that are pruned, they go in and they cut off all the bad branches. They even cut off the good branches many times. And you see this tree and it's ugly. It's just nothing but these branches sticking out in every direction with no leaves on it. But the purpose of pruning the tree is to allow it to get more sunlight, to allow it to get more moisture, to allow it to, to, to breathe so that in the next season that tree can bear good fruit. Well, God prunes us. That's a part of the process. Probably the one of the most difficult parts of who we are in Christ is when God decides to prune us because it hurts us. It's painful. It's not enjoyable. But it is a necessary part of being fruitful. God prunes us. Every part of being fruitful is important, especially the pruning. To take away those things that are a hindrance to us being fruitful in our due season. So again, we're going to be interactive. Please find for me Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. Again, God prunes us because there are things inside of us that our detriment to our walking upright before God. There are things in our lives that are a detriment to our being fruitful in this life. And God wants us to take advantage of everything that he has for us. And so as we talk about being fruitful, we must follow the processes that are necessary. We must understand that we need to be people of character. I don't care how bad things are going, I don't care how difficult things are, we should never sacrifice our character. I was told many years ago, and, 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 and I hold fast to this, that, that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. So the impression that we make, and, and it's important for us because whatever impression, impression we make, good or bad, it reflects on who we serve. If we say that we serve Christ, then our character and, and the reflection that we give must be the reflection of Christ. And I know it's hard because there, there are people who are difficult to love. There are circumstances that are difficult to deal with. But nevertheless, the word of God says that we should be holy because our God is holy. And so we should make every effort to have the character of Christ. So if, if someone will read for me Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6, we're talking about being pruned so that we can produce good fruit. Whoever has it, please stand. Do you have it? You guys left your Bibles at home? Thank you, sir. Amen. You see that in the Word of God? It says very clearly, and the Lord thy God will circumcise men. We understand circumcision, yes. Hallelujah. 
and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. Meaning that God wants to cut away those things that are unhealthy for you. God will, and understand this, the Bible says God is a discerner of the intents and the purposes of the heart. Know this for sure, you can't fix your heart. I, I read somewhere, I don't know where I read this, I think it was Guns and Ammo magazine. I, I do a lot of reading. <laughs> the heart of man is evil and above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I love that verse of Scripture because it's true. You don't even know your own heart. You think you do. And I can, let me put it to the test. How many of you are married? Raise your hands. You love being married. You love your wife. You love... How many of you were in love before you got married? <laughs> and you thought, this is her. I love her. This is him. I love him. Your, my heart tells me your heart is stupid. The Bible tells us the heart of man is evil and above all things desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't know our own hearts. That's why we need God who is a discerner of the intents and purposes of the heart. Man, I've been in love so many times I can't even count. I don't tell my wife that. Is this being recorded? <laughs> but what I, realize is, what I realize is that God had a woman for me. He had a wife for me. And certainly we have to go through those processes of searching. But what it makes me also understand is that I don't know my own heart. And because I don't know my own heart, I need somebody to service my heart. And God says, let me be that one. Because I know your heart better than you do. And so the scripture says, says as a part of fruitfulness, the tree must be pruned. As a part of your fruitfulness, God must prune your hearts. And the Lord thy God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children. Now, check this out. This is what I love about the Word of God. You don't get to be an island. You don't get to be an island because you have children and grandchildren for whom you are responsible. The choices and the decisions that you make in your life today will affect your children and your grandchildren. The scripture tells us a wise man does what? Leaves an inheritance to his children. What inheritance are you going to leave your children? Will you leave them character and fruitfulness and love for God? I, I think my wife and I, when we think about, I have two daughters, both adults, both married, and then I have my youngest son, he's 26. He's a golfer. Pray for him because he's not making any money. <laughs> I, I'm paying for all these tournaments and I don't get to play. <laughs> but, but here's my point. The thing that we said to our children when they, when they, when, as they were growing up and as, as they started pursuing husbands and wives and things like that, says that whoever you choose for your life, ask yourself this question. Is this the man I want to be the father of my children? Is this the man, woman that I want to be the mother of my children? Why? Because that's going to influence how they grow up. It's going to influence what they believe in. So it's important because we have to look past just ourselves. We have to be willing to say, I'm going to do this not for me, but for my children's children. That's how important it is that we be faithful to God. 
So Deuteronomy tells us, and the Lord thy God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all thy soul, and with all your mind. And why do we do that? The scripture says we love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind. Why? So that we may live. Now, not just chronologically, but that we may live comfortably as believers, that we may be, that we may be satisfied with our lot in life because we recognize that God ultimately is our provider. Now, as we move on, faith prompts faithfulness, all right? So you say, well, Dr. Cruz, how, do I be, how can I be faithful so that I can be fruitful? Well, faith is the key. Faith prompts faithfulness. I'm not going to ask you to go there, but if you look at Hebrews 11, that's the faith chapter, and it talks about all of these men who were faithful to God. Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 9, you get, you get all of the men of faith. Well, faith is the key that prompts faithfulness. Again, as I said, fruitfulness is the offspring of faithfulness. If we look at Hebrews, and, I, and you don't have to turn there right now for time's sake, but if we look at Hebrews 1 through 9, this is what we see. Abel's faith prompted him to do what? To worship God correctly. He knew that God required a blood sacrifice. His brother Cain decided, I'm going to give God what I have, and that's good enough. doesn't make a difference that you have given me the protocols that I'm supposed to follow. So Cain goes and he gives God. But faith, Abel's faith in God, it prompted him to worship God correctly. The scripture says he offered what? A more excellent, pleasing sacrifice. We need to be people who offer God a more excellent, pleasing sacrifice. Certainly we can give God the routine. I believe that's what Cain did. Cain says, I grow fruit. I grow vegetables. These are pretty cool. God, you should accept this. But what we have to do and what we need to be reminded of is we need to do what God says to do, not what we think we should do. And that's difficult. Why? Because we think we're smart. And I, I, have, I have four degrees. I've got two bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a PhD. And I'm still, my, according to my wife, I'm still the dumbest person on earth. My point is this. No matter what we acquire in life, no matter what heights we reach in life, we almost always must understand we must trust in our faith. The Bible says that just do what? They live by faith. Faith is important. Abel's faith prompted him to give God a more excellent uh, sacrifice. Enoch's faith compelled him to walk with God. If you read in Genesis, it says Enoch walked with God and then he wasn't because God took him. But it was his faith that caused him to walk with God. Noah's faith caused him to be prepared to build an ark and to save his family's life. What are you building right now that could possibly save your family's life? What, are you, what, are you, what structure are you, are you building in your life right now 
that is designed to save your family's life. Well, the foundation of that building must be faith. Faith in God. Faith in the word of God. Abraham's faith moved him to go where God called him without knowing the destination. If, if you have children, you'll understand how important this is. You're going to go on a trip, and their whole question, where are we going? How are we going to get there? How long is it going to take? You know, who's going with us? You know, how long are we going to stay? And as a parent, you think, why, are you driving? Are you paying? You know, why do you need this information? But we know that, that, that Abraham's faith caused him to go. Listen, Abraham was a pagan. His father made idols for a living. But yet he heard the voice of God. In this culture where they believed in many gods, his heart was open to hear the voice of God and then to leave everything that he knew, all of the comforts of his life, all of the things that made him who he was. Sometimes God will require you to move in ways that are not familiar to you, to go places that you're afraid to go, to do things that you don't think you have the power to do. But because you have faith, the impossible is possible. The impossible is possible, but it takes faith. The just shall live by faith. And faith creates an environment for you to be fruitful. Faith creates an environment for you to be blessed. But it also creates an environment for you to be a blessing. And that's important to God. So faithfulness, faith prompts faithfulness. When we have faith in God, we will be faithful to God. Faithfulness is ultimately God's work. Man, that's a blessing to me. Because I try to be faithful. I, I, I try to serve God. I, I try to live holy. I try to walk upright before God. But it is so hard. And I hate those preachers who tell you, all you got to do is trust God. <laughs> Look at me. I've got this big building. I've got a Rolls Royce. I've got a jet. You know, because I trust God. And preachers will tell you that stuff, and you think, well, hey, I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment, and I'm, I'm driving a Civic with Maypops. Maypops are tires that may pop in a moment. <laughs> and I trust, I trust God, but ultimately, fruitfulness really is God's work. It is God who determines what your blessings are and what you, and that's okay. For me, it's okay because I know that God doesn't fail. I know that God, listen, I know that God doesn't go broke. So I don't have to be the first one in line. You know, Black Friday's coming up, you know. I, I, I never understood Black Friday, especially now that we have computers. I can have Black Friday on, doo, 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 doo. I can sit in my skivvies, perish the thought. Don't, do, I know now that I've said it, it's hard to erase that out of your mind. Dr. Cruz sitting in his skivvies in front of a... All right, I won't, I'll stop right there. But faith, fruitfulness is ultimately God's work. Fruitfulness is accomplished as we commit our lives to Christ. As we continue to commit our lives to Christ, we will find that God will increase our fruitfulness. And again, please hear me when I say this. I'm not talking about a 
prosperity. Man. I'm, not say, I'm not saying to you, listen, if you follow what I'm saying, you're going to be wealthy. Because then in a, in a month, you're going to be trying to find me to say you lied to me. But God will make you fruitful when it benefits him. And that's what I love about God. And I think we miss sometimes as believers. It's never been about you. None of this. God did all this to help us, but he did it for his glory. He did it for his majesty. You are here because God ordained you to be here for his glory. And I think sometimes as believers, we get the big head and we start thinking, yeah, hey, I went to church five times this week. I even went when it was closed and just stood out the door and prayed. God, I'm worthy of all this stuff. And God is saying to you, if you don't get somewhere and sit down, I'm going to turn you into a frog. We need to understand truly that, that fruitfulness really is ultimately God's work in our lives. Fruitfulness is accomplished, really, when we are committed to serving Jesus. Fruitfulness is accomplished when we are faithful in all aspects of our lives to which God has called us. Whatever your ministry is, whether it's preaching or teaching or missions, or whether it's simply just to be somebody who comes to church and prays for your neighbor, if it's just to be a good employee, if it's just to be a good parent, good husband, good wife, all right? That is your ministry, and God will make you fruitful in those ministries because it is his work. You don't make yourself fruitful. God, excuse me, makes you fruitful. Fruitfulness is implanted in you as a believer. As you abide in Christ, you will always grow, increase, abound, flourish, reproduce much fruit. As you remain faithful to God. Your faithfulness, trust me, it will produce fruitfulness in your life. It will cause you to advance. It will cause you to grow. It will cause you to be, to see things that you've never seen before in your life. I, I think about who God is. And, and I'm always amazed that he saved me. I, I try to keep myself in that state of mind to always be amazed, not at what God does in my life, but to be amazed that someone who is a rank sinner, someone who did not deserve even God's notice, but he noticed me. Because that is a way to keep ourselves humble when we recognize and realize if it had not been for God, where would you be? If it had not been for the Lord, what would your life be? So important. You, you, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I say this. There are three surprises in heaven. Three surprises. When you get to heaven, there will be three surprises. The first surprise is that there will be people there who you didn't think were going to be there. You'd be like, what? Am I in the right place? It's not hot. So people that you thought weren't going to be there will be there. The second surprise is the people who you thought were going to be there won't be there. Hey, where's Frank? You didn't hear? Frank didn't make it. 
I'm Frank, he was so pious, he was so holy. And the third and biggest surprise would be that you made it. Yeah. So I'm always reflective of the grace of God. I'm always thinking about, man, I wake up every morning and say, man, I'm alive. Thank you, Jesus. You could have woke up dead. It's the grace of God. And you know what? When I woke up this morning, I realized I was being fruitful. I realized that God had blessed me with fruitfulness. I'm still able to see my wife and to hug my children and, and to do the things, to be here today at Ignite Church, to fellowship with you. That's fruitfulness. And it says to me, God still has work for me to do. If you're still here, if you're still sucking air, if you still have at least a part of your mind left, man, you have work to do. There's still fruitfulness for your life. Let, let, me, let, me, let me rush to my close here. As I said, fruitfulness is implanted in you as a believer. As you abide in Christ, Christ says in the scripture, if you abide in me and I abide in you, ask what you will. Right? But now be careful because the scripture also says that we ask amiss many times, which is why God doesn't bless us. Everything that we ask for and everything that we desire should be designed to bring glory to God. And we get stuck in ourselves so many times and we start thinking that we're important and things should happen for us. But everything, raising your children, serving on your job, serving in your ministries, being a good neighbor, all of those things should be designed to bring glory to God. And in bringing glory to God, you will find that God will bring fruit to your life. Let me get to my last point. We must remember that fruitfulness comes at different times and different seasons. None of us can predict those times. In Genesis, it says, as long as the earth exists, there will be what? Seed, time, and harvest. And we get, so many times we get caught up in the idea, God, I prayed for this. I've been a good Christian. God, I, I've been a good believer. I need to have this on Tuesday, 9 o'clock a.m. at the front door. And then when, when you get to the front door and there's nothing there but dust and wind, you want to blame God. But there's a season. Ecclesiastes says to everything there is what? A season and a time to every purpose. What? Under heaven. And I love this verse of scripture. Why? Because God is not under heaven. God is above heaven. So it says to everything under heaven, there's, there is no season and no time for God. And so we have to learn to be patient with God. And that's another difficult thing, being patient with God. But faithfulness and faith will teach us that God is what? Always on time. We hear that in Christianese, God is always on time. God is a right now God. God is an on time God. We say those things, but do we really believe them? Especially when we need something terribly from God. Where are you? Did you hear me? I prayed five times. I turned to the east and bowed, and I'm not even that kind of person, but I did it because I need this. And God is saying, be patient, child. I got your back. I got you. Don't worry about it. I got you. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, 
for everything there is a season. Everything does not exclude anything. Whatever you're going through, there's a season for God to bring you out of it. I tell our church this all the time. There are three things happening in your life. You are either getting ready to go into something, or you're already in something, or you're getting ready to come out of something. That is the circle of life. You are already, listen, you're already in something, and you're like, oh, God, where are you? Or you're coming out of something like, thank you, God, I'm out of that. Or you're getting ready to go into something, oh, Lord, do I have to do that? But in all of that, we can be confident. I read somewhere, I don't know where I read this. Gee, I think it was Mademoiselle magazine. That's in one of my softer moments. The God of Israel never sleeps nor slumbers. So what we can understand is that whatever you're in, whatever you're getting ready to go into, whatever you're coming out of, God is going to be right there for you. God is going to help you through all of those circumstances. And this is the crazy thing, and let me get ready to get out of here because I'm hungry. This is the crazy thing about believers. And, and, and even for me, I, I'm, I'm indicting my own self. God did this crazy thing for me two years ago that I never thought could be accomplished. God got me out of this circumstance two years ago that I, I just, I was at my wit's end. And today I'm in something else, but I forgot that God got me out. Does that make sense to you? We're like that. Oh, God, this is the worst day of my life. Oh, God, I don't care survive. Well, wait a minute. Two years ago was the worst day of your life. How many worst days do you have? But God got you out of that. Well, I read somewhere. I don't know where I read this thing. I think it was the almanac. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. As I was for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so is God for you. So if God got you out of that thing yesterday, certainly the thing that you're into today is no problem for God. But again, it is the faith that we have that helps us because God is going to bring you fruit out of every situation. He's going to bring you fruit. So my last scripture, Psalms chapter 1, verse 3. We must remember that faithfulness comes at different times and different seasons. The scripture of Psalms 1 and verse 3 says this. He is like a tree planted by the streams of waters, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's you. That's God speaking to each and every one of you. You could put your name there. Paul is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit when? In season. All right? The fruit that God has for you also has a season. And we need to be patient and wait for those seasons. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. When we are planted in, by God's river stream, when we are rooted in God, understand this, you are going to prosper. 
You are going to be fruitful, and your leaf will not wither. Why? Because God is the vine dresser. We read that. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Man, and so when we understand that, the tree of God never withers. The tree of God never needs pruning. The tree of God does not fail, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. When we recognize that fruitfulness is the offspring of faithfulness, we will know and we will understand that God will cause us to prosper in our season. Every one of us has different seasons. And when we are patient to wait for God, we will reap the benefits of those seasons. Finally, beloved, fruitfulness is a sign of spiritual health and life. Fruitfulness is a sign of spiritual health and life. Amen? Dear God, our Father, we thank you today for the word of God. I pray that the word of God speaks to the heart of your people, that each one of us in this place today will open up our hearts to you and to allow you to reign and to rule in our lives. And Lord God, we just bless you this morning because when we do fail, when we do fall, your word is clear that in 1 John 1 and 9, if we would confess our faults, you, O God, are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, as I gather today with Ignite Church, Lord God, Ignite City Fellowship, I pray for this ministry. I pray in the name of Jesus the Christ that everything that happens here, Lord, will be by faith and will be by faithfulness and thereby will be fruitful. I pray that every member, every friend of this ministry, Lord God, would be committed to remaining faithful to you and strengthening and building the kingdom of God. I pray that your angels of protection remain always around this ministry. I pray that you continue to grant the, the high priest of this ministry wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that you will keep him healthy and strong and bless this family, O oh Lord God, and cause him to be a tool fit for your use. And that every member and every friend, Lord God, would grow spiritually and emotionally. And that each one of us, because of our faithfulness, would have an offspring of fruitfulness. I pray this now and forever in Christ Jesus' name. And everybody who loves God said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Can we thank Dr. Paul Cruz? Thank you so much.